Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. Before I begin, can I encourage you, whoever you are, whatever you are going through, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, for you to just open your hearts and your minds to what God wants to say to you this morning. Can we do that? I believe you're not here by coincidence. I believe God has a special word that he wants to refresh you with, and that's the reason why you're here, okay? When my son was little, he was a bit of an artist. He loved to draw. And I told him, Jaden, you can draw anywhere. Just don't paint, don't draw on the wall. So I came home one day, guess what I found? I found Jaden's crayon masterpiece all over our white living room wall. So naturally, I was not impressed. I love art, but I was not impressed. I was seething. So I sat Jaden down and I told him, Jaden, that's vandalism. You're a vandal. You draw on our wall. And so, you know what I did next? I took out my belt and I gave him a good lashing. And he screamed and said, sorry, daddy, please stop. Sorry, I'm sorry, daddy, please stop. I'm sorry. And I told him that if he did it again, I would kick him out of the house for good. How many of you believe that I really did that? Raise your hand. (laughs) We were practicing this morning and David said, Pastor D, you're going to get canceled if you say that. So I thank God not many of you believe that. But this is amazing, isn't it? And yet, this over-the-top reaction is what people imagine how God would respond when he's confronted with people's sin. That's what religion teaches. You can get on the good side of God if you obey him, but mess up, go off track, and you're going to get a beating from God. Maybe that's why I'm sick, because God is punishing me. That's why my business is bankrupt, because God is not pleased with my sin, and so on. You see, Christianity is different. Jesus is different, which is why I don't get why people wouldn't want Christianity to be true. At least the OG Christianity, the original irresistible Christianity, the original irresistible Jesus. Not the version of Christianity that you grew up with, maybe. Not the version of Christianity that you saw on social media and so on. I'm talking about the irresistible, amazing Jesus that can only be described by one word that changed the whole world upside down for the next few thousand years. And that word that could be best used to describe the OG Jesus, the OG Christianity, is this word grace. Grace. What is grace? Before I give you the proper definition, here's something interesting about grace, okay? Grace, uh, when received, is refreshing, isn't it? It's nice. But when we have to give it, it's disturbing. It's challenging. How many of you have done a major mistake, you're caught red-handed, and in that situation, what you wish for the most, what you crave the most would be grace. Isn't that true? I remember I was caught speeding when I, when I lived in Dallas, Texas. I was driving from Port Lavaca, Texas on a mission trip. It was a five-hour trip. It was a long journey, freeway all the way through. So I must have done like 90 miles an hour in a 70 miles an hour zone. So this state trooper stopped me. 
with this siren going on. And I thought, man, you know, this is the last thing that I need. I was a poor student. Money was very tight for us, but there was nothing I could do. I, I did actually, you know, speed. And so, you know, I rolled out the window and the police asked me where I was going and all that. And he asked me what I was doing. And with my sheepish eye, puppy dog eye, I said, sir, uh, I'm a seminary student. And he said, oh, so you're starting to be a preacher. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and then we chatted a while and he said, this is your lucky day. I'm just going to give you a warning this time. And I said, Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's the most beautiful sentence everyone, anyone has ever said to me. Not even my wife said anything more beautiful than <laughs> that day. It's true, isn't it? When received, grace is so refreshing. It's so nice. But when you have to give it, when you have to extend grace, it's challenging. It's not easy, especially when your feelings got hurt. Especially if they hurt the people that you love. Not only don't you want to extend grace, you want them punished. You want them to, pun to be punished hard, right? That's, what's, uh, that's the irony about grace. That's the paradox of grace. What if you flip the script? What if in a, in a moment when you find it difficult and challenging to extend grace, why don't you put yourself in that person's shoes, right? And ask yourself, if I were in their shoes, what would I crave the most at the time? I think the answer is obvious. It's grace. And if you want to be honest, grace is the unsettling solution for just about anything as far as your relationship is concerned. Think about your relationship, the bad relationship that you want to fix, or the bad relationship that others want to fix with you, right? Everything could be solved with Grace. I did a wedding on Thursday, and I've done so many weddings in my life, I can't even count it anymore. And I, I know a lot about different tips, how you, you can make a, a great marriage and so on. But all these tips, all these books on marriages, right? All these seminars, uh, they teach you great stuff. If you follow them, yeah, your marriage will be better. Your relationship will be more amazing. But here's one problem. There's no perfect husband. There's no perfect wife. No one husband can do everything, right? You wish your husband has a six-pack and, and can do chores around the house and hate golf. <laughs> right? There's no perfect wife. Perfect wife is already taken. My wife. <laughs> you see how hard I work to earn brownie point? But it's true, isn't it? It's not that those tips are wrong. There's one problem. We're not perfect. That's why... If everybody could just learn to extend grace to one another, grace is really the unsettling solution for just about anything, all right? Let me define what grace is real quick. Grace is undeserved, unearned, unearnable favor. That means grace requires a relationship. Grace can only be experienced in the context of a relationship where there is an imbalance and you are on the negative side of the ledger, all right? That's why grace cannot just be a theory. Grace has to be experienced. And in order for grace to be experienced, there has to be a relationship. And that's the reason why John, the apostle John, said that Jesus had to come to our world. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us, TRCC, book the ticket now, all right? Here's what John wrote in John chapter 1. Um, he said, 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word is Logos, the same Word that brought creation into being. This Word, this Logos, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And John said, we have seen His glory. He's not talking about you and me. He's talking about him, him and the apostles. We, with our own two eyes, we actually literally have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And here's the deal. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Here's what you need to know. Jesus is not half grace and half truth. He's not the balance of grace and truth. See, a lot of Christians Pastors like me would like to make you think that we need to be balanced, right? We need to be balanced. In their attempt to be balanced, they do neither. That's why Christianity is confusing for a lot of people. You know, we, because we're presenting half truth and half grace. And sometimes we don't know which is which. We can't experience both in full because we don't know how to experience explain we don't we it, it, it doesn't compute in our brain that Jesus can be 100% grace and 100% truth all the time rather than explaining it to you I want to share with you one experience that Jesus experienced uh, recorded also by John in John chapter 8 if you grew up in church you would know this story this is amazing Jesus was being trapped by the Pharisees and the religious leaders all right and what he did what he did and really embodies what, is, what it means to be full of grace and truth. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 8. And this is what happened. At dawn, he, that is Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts uh, during the Feast of Tabernacle. If you read the previous chapter, you know a lot of Jewish people came to Jerusalem, to the temple, three times in a year to experience these different feasts. And this is the time of the Feast of Tabernacle. Last for about the whole week, all right? Where all the people gathered around him and he sat down and teach them. So they had church. Jesus sat down, teach the people. People were standing up. Mike, I wish the church could be like that, you know, where the people stand up and the pastors sit down like this. That's why I want to be more like Jesus, honestly. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in the very act of adultery. They made her stand before the group. Now, I want you to imagine with me, when you read your Bible, don't just read it so woodenly, all right? The, the Bible is not a textbook. The Bible is filled with real stories of real people, with real feelings, all right? And so imagine with me what this woman must have felt as he, she was being paraded in front of everybody. Imagine, imagine the fear, imagine the anxiety, imagine how terrified she must have been because she knew her life would end in any second now. And so they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. This is a complete setup. They, want, they wanted to set up Jesus. How many people, let me ask you, how many people are needed in order to commit an act of adultery? How many people? <laughs> you can't commit an act of adultery by yourself, right? And who is missing here? Who's missing, ladies? The guy, yeah. Calm down, okay? We have counselors in the church. If you've been hurt by men in the past, we can help you. 
but the man is missing. But the Pharisees were right, but they were only telling half the story, and it was a clear trap for Jesus because it was actually recorded in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus. It's just one where this appears, uh, but there are other passages that talk about the same thing. It says, if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. So the question is, what would Jesus do? Right? Either way, Jesus, Jesus would be wrong. Option number one is to punish the woman. And if he does, he will no longer be called a friend of sinners because that's exactly what the Pharisees, the religious leaders hated about Jesus. He hung around with the sinners too much. They didn't like it one bit. Maybe this will stop Jesus from being liked by sinners. That's option number one. Or option number two Jesus could let her go. And if he does, he would be undermining the law of Moses. He would be compromising the word of God. And that's what a lot of legalistic Christians like to do. Whenever they hear a message of grace being preached, they will say, you undermine the word of God. You're not preaching the full truth of the word of God. You need to preach about sin. You need to preach about condemnation. You need to preach about hell. Because they're afraid. If you preach on grace, you will undermine the word of God. So what did Jesus do? Jesus bent down, started to write on the ground with his finger. Thousands of years, for thousands of years, people tried to figure out what Jesus wrote, but it can only, get, it can only be a guess. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, this is so cool, this is amazing, you've got to pay attention. His response was brilliant. His response was genius. I wish I had come up with it, but... I, of course not, because I was, I'm not Jesus. This is what Jesus said, and this is why it's, it's amazing, right? This is why I love Jesus. He said this, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. You know what's so cool about that? You see, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were using the law to condemn this woman, Right? And Jesus said, okay, you want to play that game? I can use the law to condemn you as well. He who is without sin, the first person without sin, I'll let you throw the first stone. Did Jesus say that the woman was innocent? He didn't. Did Jesus say Moses was wrong with his law? He didn't. Just as a, a side note, all right? I'm sidetracking a little bit here. You know what else is Jesus is doing by saying what, you know, in saying what he said, Jesus basically just demolished this popular saying. You may have heard this before. Some of you might think it's even in the Bible. Love the sinner, hate the sin, right? In my experience, people who say this, love the sinner, hate the sin, they're just using it as an excuse to condemn people, to judge people. They don't want to have anything to do with them actually, right? But when Jesus said, if you, if you are without sin, you can throw the first stone. What he's saying is, why are you so concerned about her sin? Why do you focus on her sin? What about your sin? That's ex exactly what Jesus was saying. So in other words, this would be better. Jesus wouldn't like this statement. Jesus would change that statement to this. Love the sinner and hate your own sin. What about checking the plank on your eye first before you judge others? Don't judge others because they sit differently than you. All right? 
Maybe what Jesus wrote on that ground was all the hidden sin that we all commit. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, like envy, like gluttony, like greed, like pride, right? All the sin that people couldn't see that we commit maybe every single day. So at this, those who heard Jesus began to go away at one at a time. The older one first because they had the most sin until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And then this is what he said to the woman. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, uh, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And her response was so tender and so like, there's nothing I can do. No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and live your life of sin. You know what's amazing about that? Of all the people who gathered around her, Jesus was the only person who was actually allowed to condemn her because Jesus was her creator. Jesus was God in the flesh. Nobody else was allowed to condemn her except Jesus, and then Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't. This is the message of grace, if you want to know. You are guilty, but I don't condemn you. The woman must be wondering, how can I be guilty and you don't condemn me? How is that possible? Because the two goes together. You know what the answer is? The answer is because grace and truth has landed. Grace and truth has landed in front of that woman. The law says, gotcha. Jesus say, I get you. I get you. In Galatians, chapter, in Galatians chapter 3, Paul wrote that the law was given only for temporarily, until Jesus came. The law was given to reveal the fact that we all need grace. That's why Jesus came. And John saw this in Jesus, in all his interaction with the tax collectors, with the sinners, with everybody. Love is what describes Jesus. And love can only be described as this. Love is all grace and all truth all the time. The question is, aren't we supposed to be balanced? A lot of preachers, pastors like me, always try to be balanced in presenting grace and truth. You know, you can't be balanced about this because when you are being gracious, you are being truthful. You're being truthful about the character of God. You're being truthful about God's grace, God's mercy, God's love and forgiveness that are new every morning, right? And, 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 and when you are, when you are uh, being truthful, you're being gracious. When you're being gracious, you're being truthful. You can't separate truth from grace. It's not like, okay, sometimes we need to present the truth, sometimes. And at other times, we need to present grace to people. And that's the approach that I've seen people take. And that's not the approach of Jesus. The approach of Jesus is you always have to be gracious and you always have to be truthful. You can't separate the two. Grace is always truthful and truth must always be graceful. You can't use truth. Church, listen to me. You can't use truth as an excuse to be a jerk. Please don't. All right? When you show people grace, you're showing people the truth of God's love, God's grace, God's forgiveness. Here's another mind-blowing revelation that I got from preparing for this message. I never saw it before, all right? Think about the sequence of the event that we just read. 
Which one happened first? Did the woman repent first and then she received grace? Or did grace happen first and then possibly she repented? Which is it? Which is the right sequence? Which happened first? Grace happened first. That's why this is the truth. You got to get this. And I'm surprised that a lot of Christians, a lot of pastors don't even get this. Repentance doesn't lead to grace. It's the other way around. It's grace that leads people to repentance. And yet the message that I hear in different churches is like this. You got to repent. Repent. Live the life of sin. Live porn. Live alcoholism. Live addiction. Live all that and turn and give your life to Jesus. That is not grace. That is not the gospel. The gospel is not you giving your life to Jesus. The gospel is Jesus giving his life to you. You receive grace. And because you experience grace for yourself, understanding that you don't deserve it one bit, out of that experience, and only when you experience grace in all its fullness, only when you fully realize, not just a lip service, but you really, really understand, my goodness, I don't deserve this at all. And yet, Jesus in his love gave himself for me so that I could experience forgiveness in full. That will lead you to repentance. All right? This is what I want you to do as a church. This is what we want need to do as a faith community. If you are ever faced with a situation where you don't know what to do, I want you to err on the, gr- on the side of grace. All right? If you can be both at this all the time, that's wonderful. But if you are confused, you find it difficult to do one or the other, all right? Always choose grace. I mean, the world will tell you the truth all the time that you, are, you fall short, you're not good enough and all that. I mean, a lot of you know this already. What we crave the most, what will refresh our soul is grace. That's why if you have to err, err on the side of grace. Why? Because grace is what people crave the most. Because grace is refreshing to others when they need it the most, when they receive it. But that's not even the main reason. The main reason why you should err on the side of grace is this, because God has always been gracious to you when you needed it the most, hasn't he? And grace will always, and God will always be gracious to you when you need it again. Let me ask you, do you think that woman stopped sinning after that incident? How many of you think that woman stopped sinning altogether? Do you think she will need more grace in the future? How many times will God forgive her in the future? Jesus said, you need to forgive others 70 times 7. That means like infinity. Grace will always be available to that woman. Grace will always be available to you when you need it again and again and again. That's why the Apostle Paul says, where where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And if you don't believe Paul, believe Jesus. Because Jesus said this. Not many of you know this is even in the Bible. In John chapter 12, verse 47, this is the word of Jesus. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, that's all of you. That's me. We don't always keep God's word perfectly even as followers of Jesus. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world but to save 
the world. But what about the fact that God is a judge, Pastor D? Uh, don't just you know, explain one side of God, grace, 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 but he's also a just judge. You're going to preach that as well. You know what kind of judge God is? Let me explain to you what kind of judge God is through this video that I found. A lot of you maybe have seen it on, on YouTube, but I'm going to explain what I mean by that after we watch this. Mr. Kowawa, you are charged with a school zone violation. I'm 96 years old, and I only drive when I have to. I was going to the blood work for my boy. He's handicapped. You were taking your son to the doctor's office? Yeah. I take him for blood work mm -hmm. every two weeks because he's got cancer. You are a good man. You are a good man. Here you are in your 90s, and you're still yeah. taking care of your family. That's just a wonderful thing for you. How old is your son? 63. Yeah. And he's still, daddy's still taking care of him, right? <laughs> I only drive when I have to. Yeah. Listen, sir, I wish you all the best. I wish the best for your son, and I wish you good health, and your case is dismissed. Good luck to you, and God bless you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, Alondra, you have three parking tickets and a red light violation. Let's look at the red light. It's, uh, okay. Take a look. This is on North Main and Branch Avenue. What's the time on that? 0.4. The city allows you two tenths of a second, and you went through the light four tenths of a second. But the reason is she was trying to stop, but then she didn't stop. So I'm going to give you a break on the red light violation. I don't know about stopping. I didn't see any brake lights. She was stopping. 27 miles an hour? She was trying to stop. Look at her. Yes. Were you trying to stop? I, I have postpartum. I just had my baby, and All right. I, I just, I'm sorry. Just relax, honey. There's some, there's some Kleenex for you. There's some Kleenex for you. I'm sorry. All right, all right. I know it's not that big, but it's, it's me. It's me. I just. <laughs> Don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. We'll put you at ease. Talk, tell us about the baby. Is well, he's two months. Baby's two months old? Yeah. What's the baby's name? Grayson. Yeah. How many children do you have? This is my first. Yeah. Well, it's a wonderful event. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. What are you nervous about? Everything. I've never been to court. Okay. Am I making, am I making you nervous? I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you nervous. All right. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to dismiss the red light ticket, okay? Because even though Inspector Quinn was questionable, I think he would try to stop. <laughs> now you've got three $20 parking tickets. They have all tripled to $60. I'm going to waive the penalties. So it's going to cost you a total of $60 for everything. I'm so sorry for crying. And you've got a boot fee of $100. The boot fee's mandatory. How much of that can you pay today? I have 60 on me. All right, I'm gonna release the boot. 
I'm not going to take the $60 from you. You got a baby, so. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. How many of you would want Judge Caprio to preside over your case if you ever charged with anything? Right? You see how he was interested in her life? What's the baby's name? How many, child, how many children do you have? Let me ask you another question. Who do you think is a better judge? Who do you think is a more loving, more gracious, kinder, gentler, more merciful judge? Judge Frank DiCaprio, as great as he is, is he a better judge than God, your heavenly father? Who's the better judge? If a sinful human being can show such mercy, can show such grace, how much more your heavenly father would be gracious to you, even as a judge, because the truth of the consequence of our sin, the effect of our sin has been paid in full through the death of Jesus on the cross. Justice has been made, met. All you need, you can receive, all you receive now is His grace. That's who God is. Full of grace and truth. And I know that's what we all need. Before we close today, I would like us to sing this song. Why don't we stand up on our feet? Make this song a rededication, a dedication of the fact that you acknowledge that we are all broken vessels in need of His grace and how we need to extend that grace to the people around us. And I'm going to come back and close us in prayer. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit the rocks dot church